7 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim along with Kay today from the Bozark Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's Thursday, busy show today. Mark Johnson normally joins us at 7.20, but... Mark He's out and, on the West Coast. Yeah, and late night last night, uh, Buff's getting a, a rare win in Washington. It's only the second time they've ever won at Washington. That's nuts. And it's the final time. Because they're no longer going to be in the Pac-12. Heading to the Big 12 next season. So uh, they send uh, the Huskies a nice adios. See ya. See you later. Taking a win last night. Colorado State uh, can't say the same at Nevada. They fall last night. Ooh. Nathan McKinnon. Wow. Nathan McKinnon. Mac attack. Not one. Not, not two, two. Not three, three. But four goals. Four. For Nathan McKinnon last night. You'll hear from Mac coming up a little bit. Also, Jared Bednar. Uh, quick on our production meeting. The longer cut of Mac is in the... I, uh, I did find it. Thank okay. you. I appreciate that. Sometimes it doesn't always <laughs> pop up. Or I don't look for it. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> but you're, you were going to. It's okay. It's all right. I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that I, I get a little tunnel vision sometimes. And not untrue, though. <laughs> but it's, it's not untrue. I appreciate you doing it. Sometimes Scott sits in that chair. Sometimes, hey, uh, you going to ever get that clip done? You going to get that in there? Because I'll look for it, and it's like, it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll get around to it. He'll be back Monday, I believe. I believe. Now I we are we are confident. I'm more confident the Buckeye boy, now that he's married to Karen, will come back in a semi-sober functioning state. Because there's period time. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I feel I feel more confident of that than I used to. Okay. That he'll he'll come back and be more game ready than in some years past. I mean, fair. Definitely more grounded, but um, you may or may not recall that uh, at his wedding, Mr. Buckeye Boy was quite... Um, yeah, but that was his wedding, though. I, that was his wedding. That's ah, fair. Yeah, I uh, we, we, we left, but when we <laughs> he was... At his wedding, yes, he was. That's the early. You could has him, <laughs> and he was definitely more loosey goosey than he normally would be. Very, yeah, like okay. Little buddy's having a good time tonight, as well he should. So anyway, he earned it. Yeah. So um, anyway, he'll be back on Monday. But uh, you're doing fine work this week. Outstanding work this week, by the way. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so. Coming up in a little bit, um, Mark Johnson at 820 this morning because of being out on the West Coast. Uh, we'll, we'll talk with him about the, the Buffs win at Washington last night. Uh, also on the program this morning, uh, we continue our preview of the of the folks going into the uh, Fruit of Monument Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, Bruce Shepard, who was the boys basketball coach at Fruit of Monument, uh, coached with uh, Bob Cates out at Fruit of Monument. Bruce is actually going to join us in the studio today uh, to talk about... Uh, Bob Cates, who uh, sadly is uh, in a coma right now, um, his family you know, holding a, 
a vigil uh, over in Fort Collins, uh, but uh, uh, sadly Bob will not be able to uh, to enjoy being uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um, just our hearts go out to his family. Absolutely. Um, but I believe they've already sent the the award to his family. Uh, they will not be, obviously, uh, very understandably, will not be here next week for, uh, next Friday for the, uh, the induction. But uh, Bruce Shepard, uh, gracious enough to come in uh, later on this morning to talk about his old friend, uh, Bob Cates, and uh, his time as uh, Fertile Monuments basketball coach. So we'll have that for you. Also, Jerry Schimmel is going to come on. We'll talk a little Todd Helton, talk a little Rockies as uh, spring training gets underway next month out in Arizona. So uh, Shim will join us uh, coming up. Uh, and also uh, hear from uh, Cal Crowder, uh, Mark Cantor, who will have a call tomorrow night over on the Monkey uh, with the Highway 50 game of the week. Uh, the Panther boys and girls play at the Salt, and uh, we'll have a conversation that Mark had with Kyle uh, Crowder coming up here after a bit. All right, so text or call 970-242-1340. couple things today. Nathan McKinnon, is he now the clearly the greatest player in Avalanche history? Or do we put a caveat to that? Because last night, Kale McCarr became became the highest scoring defenseman in Avalanche history. And if you ask Nathan McKinnon, he goes, oh, that guy's guy's the best player on our team. Kale McCarr. Is McKinnon the greatest player in Avalanche history? Because you, you now have McCarr who, in his own... In his own right, in every in every sense of the word, great, right, is as great as Nathan McKinnon. But right now, Nathan McKinnon is playing on a different. He's it's a different planet he's playing on right now. It's an entirely different universe. Yeah, and, and but to get some thoughts on that today, and also Jim Harbaugh. He's back, as, as Buckeye would call him, big dumb khaki pants. Big old dumb khaki. No longer the Buckeye Boys problem or Ryan Day's problem. He is our problem now. Now he's Sean Payton's problem. Broncos country's problem now. He takes over the reins of the Los Angeles Chargers. I have to give credit. It's a good hire. It's a really good hire for the Chargers. It's you're bringing in an experienced because that was the thing. Brandon Staley, I believe the Chargers job was his first head coaching job ever, right? That's correct. So, and not the, look, we know all too well in Broncos country, sometimes the horrors that come with a first ever time head coach coming to your organization and, and taking over. Um, and, and look, you got to start somewhere. Everyone who has ever been a head coach in the NFL was at some point a first-time NFL head coach. It worked out well for a lot of them, and it also might not have worked out well for some others. For Jim Harbaugh, despite what the record will tell you, things didn't end very well in San Francisco. He did take him to a Super Bowl, though. He did take him to a Super Bowl, and we forget that Super Bowl was Colin Kaepernick. And... You know, it's one of those things where if he can do that with a team like he had in San Francisco, imagine what he can do with an arguably better roster, certainly better quarterback, Justin Herbert. You know, if he can do that with San Francisco, 
Look out, AFC West. Look out, AFC. Okay, here's the four years he was in San Francisco. Okay. First year, 2011, after he was at Stanford. 13-3, and three, lost in the conference championship game. That's pretty good. 2012, 11-4-1, lost to his brother Jim in the Super Bowl. Still pretty good. 2013, 12-4, lost in the conference championship game. To the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. Who would later go on to defeat the Denver Broncos uh, in the Super Bowl. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. Uh, 2014, they didn't make the playoffs. They went 8-8, eight and eight, though. But then he got canned after that, didn't yeah. he? if he got canned or if he got or if he just left i think he i seem to have a distinct memory that he got fired which if you're san francisco what the hell's wrong with you well <laughs> they went they went eight and eight they were, they were i they wonder were though the, they were in the conference championship game i wonder he was, though, he was fired a week after the 24 uh, 2014 season i wonder though the, he, there was stuff that went because i'm trying to remember it's been a while now there were things that went on with him and the organization. Things that went on with him and the organization. I also have to wonder how much of the, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick. I wonder how much of that might have contributed to his termination. Well, he didn't, he didn't get along with Trent Baalke, the GM. And, and now Baalke's and, gone too. And, so then, and then, then when you, and now it's John Lynch. John Lynch, who's done a fantastic job. I, Harbaugh rubs people the wrong way, and he obviously rubbed ownership the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Now, will that be how things go with the Spanos family? Well, that remains to be seen. As will, will Jim Harbaugh, leopards seldom change their spots, but will he have, have a more dialed back approach with ownership in Los Angeles? I don't know. You tend to be who you are, and and I don't know if that it's it's not that Jim Harbaugh can't coach; it's that Jim Harbaugh can't play well and work well with other people. That's the problem. At least the the people he does surround himself with, they know him and they get him and they understand him, and they're able to deal with his crap. Right. I mean, on the surface, you think, what the hell is wrong with San Francisco? I mean, he took them to the conference championship game or a Super Bowl all but one year. And the one year they didn't get there, they went eight and eight. You know, in the Kaepernick situation, that certainly didn't help. And there's some talk that Kaepernick might end up on his staff at, with the Chargers. That's a possibility. Might Interesting. Be a, might be on his coaching staff. I have not heard this. That's a, a little bit of the, the scuttlebutt out there. But does it automatically mean the Chargers are a threat in the AFC. With what they have there, with, with the, the building blocks that they have, with, with, with Justin Herbert, with, with Keenan Allen, with what they have on the defensive side, with, with Bosa and Mack, on the surface, they could be a really scary football team. And they've always been a scary football team talent-wise. Right. They just, they've also been very scary in terms of their fan base of they never can get their crap together and put together a, a really deep run in the playoffs. And they, they lose too many games they should never lose. And so we'll see what happens here. But um, certainly, if, you, if you're just kind of like, oh, it's just Jim Harbaugh. He had tremendous success in the NFL. I mean, when, you, when you're four years at one place, 
and the majority of that is going to conference championship games or playing in a Super Bowl mm-hmm. and, and losing a close Super Bowl. That power stays on in New Orleans. That that yeah. thing is much different. You know, and they, and they got a sensational season out of Kaepernick that year. And I, I just, you know, I, I just think that you can't, you can't act like he's just going to eventually screw it up because he typically doesn't screw it up in terms of what's on the field. And some of the things that he likes, number one, playing great defense. They have, with, with, let's see what happens with Derwin James going forward, but they have, they have the talent on the field defensively to be an upper echelon defense. And it could just take Jim Harbaugh. And, and look, will it be more with Justin Herbert? Will there be more of a focus on the running game? What does that mean for the future of Austin Eckler? Right. That could change the dynamic of that because we know what Harbaugh loves to run the football and play defense. And it may, you know, for... Once again, though, it's not going to be a case where Justin Herbert goes from from throwing it 25, 30 times in a game to five times a game because he didn't do that with J.J. McCarthy. And how much of that is just the limitations of J.J. McCarthy? Who some people think will be a first-round draft pick, maybe a high second-round draft pick, potentially. I have to question I, those I'm, people. I'm not. I think McCarthy's fine. I just I'm not as sold on him as I am a Bo Nix or a lot of the other quarterbacks. I mean, and I'm talking about guys that Denver could realistically draft. I mean, Caleb Williams isn't going to fall that no. far. Penix Jr. is not going to fall that far either. Drake Mays probably is not going to fall down to 12. So I guess in Broncos country, your reaction to a guy that did interview for the Denver job at one point did talk to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. They didn't hire him. Now he's in the AFC West with a Chargers team that has always had had talent, but has never had anybody to pull it all together. And now they got a guy that potentially could pull it all together because he did that up the coast in San Francisco. But what's he with Harbaugh? How long before it blows up? Before he gets sideways with somebody in the organization? I don't. Is he? Is, is he, it going to be ownership? Is he a kinder, gentler Jim Harbaugh? No, I can't say that that's going to be the case or not. But here's his chance. He said he had unfinished business. Well, his unfinished business resumes in the AFC West with the Chargers. So, some thoughts on that today. You can text or call us on the team line nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. I mean, there's been he, he docked the Falcons. I, I still. With Belichick, I'm beginning to wonder more and more if he isn't at least going to take a gap year. But then, if he takes a gap year, if you're if you're Belichick at at that age, do you go? Because Sean Payton, late fifties. That's that's a different deal than being in your seventies and taking a year away from it and going. Eh, I think I want to think about it. In your seventies, all of a sudden, you're on your boat and. And you're thinking, man, I I won six Super Bowls. Do you I, and your buddy Nick Saban go fishing, and you're exactly. like, actually, this doesn't suck. Do I do I need do I need that anymore? Do I do I need to be the winningest coach in NFL history? Is that is that going to is that going to butter my biscuits? Is that going to make me complete my resume, which is already a damn impressive resume? It's gonna and he may that may be the case because I think right now teams. Teams seem to, there, there seems to be a, a sense here, at least this is my 
perception of things I read, I think there are teams that are not willing to give him the same autonomy that Bob Kraft was. Yeah. And I think that's a problem for Bill Belichick. I think teams are like, look, we're just not we're just not gonna let you sorry, parcels and pick all the groceries. That has not gone well for you, Bill, the last few years in, in New England. And so I, I wonder if there'll be a point where he just goes, Yeah, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it. I want to go fish. I just want to go hang out in the boat. And he just may do that. I mean, there's been two interviews. We're on to the next river. We're on to the next river. He's he's had two interviews with the Falcons. Nothing's happened there. There there's still, you know, he wants to be on the East Coast. That's where his, his boat's anchored, and that's where his roots are. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, the, the Carolina job is still in play. Is he interviewed for that, though? I do not believe so. I was going to say, he has, he's had two interviews with Atlanta and no interviews with Carolina. Yeah. And that may be where they, but that, because he's still available, they may say, you know, Bill, come on, let's, let's talk and let's see. See if David Tepper doesn't throw any liquids at you. Right. And that may happen. I, I don't know. Well, and again, getting back to the, the, the idea of how much autonomy does Bill Belichick get, David Tepper would not be able to Tepper his want of control in every facet of the organization. Uh, he, he would tell Belichick, sure, Bill, it's all you, babe. Well, it's you, man. I respect he, though? you. No, he, no. He could do that initially and then go, eh, I don't, I, I'm still, I know more than this guy. I don't care. It's Bill Belichick. I'm in charge. I write the checks. Yeah. He might tell Belichick that to begin with. Cause like, yeah, it'd be great to have, be great to have Belichick here. Yeah. If this is what Bill needs to hear, I'll tell him that. Sweet talk him a little bit, but I'm still going to, if I don't like something he's doing, I'm going to tell him we're not doing that. I, I could see that, but I also, Belichick's too smart for that. Belichick knows the Tepper reputation right now. And Belichick's like, I'm not going to put up with that crap. I don't need that. I'm too old for this stuff. I don't blame him. Atlanta still seems to make a lot of sense because he wants to go to a team that's East Coast-ish. Atlanta's South, but they're Eastern half of the country. It's a young team that's got a lot of talent. Quarterback spot, eh, got to figure that out. Questionable. Desmond Ritter doesn't seem like he's the answer, or Taylor Heineke, but with Bijan Robinson, with with Pitts, I mean, they got some really good young skill guys. Their defense is pretty good. I mean, there's there are things. And that's a weak division. Although, don't look now, Tampa Bay. I mean, Bucks are getting it together, and. You know, with, with Mayfield, they've they've maybe found an answer there. They've found the Brady replacement. So, all right, 719, Jim along with Cake today. Your reaction to Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West as a coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. You can text or call us. Also, Nathan McKinnon's incredible performance last night uh, with the four goals. The natural hat trick with the three consecutive goals in the third period, the second period last night as the Avalanche get the 6-2 to two win over Washington all right, it is time for What's Happening. What's Happening. And it's brought to you by ComWest, your technology partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions that support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. One call, one team, one goal, helping your business grow. 
They can help you with network support, cybersecurity, surveillance cameras, or a new business phone system like they installed for us at the radio station. And it's absolutely fantastic, reliable, and easy to use. So make sure you call them today at ComWest, 970-242-8142, or go to ComWestCorp.com on the internet. All right, start things out with, he's back, and he's in the AFC West. According to reports from ESPN's Adam Schefter, Jim Harbaugh has agreed to leave the University of Michigan to accept the head coaching job of the Los Angeles Chargers. Harbaugh has reportedly signed a five-year deal to coach L.A. His Michigan Wolverines won college football playoffs national championship this season. Previously coached in the NFL in San Francisco, taking the 49ers to Super Bowl 47, where he faced his brother John and the Baltimore Ravens. Harbaugh is reportedly the Chargers' most wanted coaching candidate. His NFL coaching record, 44-19-1 in Michigan. He went 144-42. All right, can you cue the music for me? I can cue the music. Here we go in three, two. All right, Avalanche star Nathan McKinnon tallied a four-goal night, leading Colorado to a 6-2 win over Washington Wednesday night in Denver. Yeah, it's always nice to score four, obviously. Uh, you know, the line different. Um, hockey's a funny sport. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't, and right now uh, they're going in for them. Well, four of them went in for Nate last night. Yep. <laughs> three in a row, Nathan McKinnon, who scored a three second-period goals to become only the second Colorado player to ever post a natural hat trick with, do you know the only other one? Chesaki. Ding, ding, ding. Back in 2003 against Columbus, a natural hat trick is a three consecutive goals scored by the same player, by the way. Avs defenseman Kale McCarr scored the game's first goal to become Colorado's all-time highest-scoring defenseman. The Avs are tied for first place in the Central Division with Winnipeg as they host the LA Kings tomorrow in the final game before the All-Star break. The 24th-ranked Colorado State men's basketball team took a road loss in Nevada Wednesday while the Colorado men picked up a rare and final win at Washington. The Rams fell in Nevada 77-64. Jalen Lake's 13 points facing the Rams. CSU falls to 15-4. and four. The Buffaloes play their final game at Washington before they move back to the Big 12 as they picked up a 98-91 win against the Huskies. It's only CU's second win ever in Washington as Javon Hadley scored a CU career-best 24 points. The Buffs move to 6-3 and three in the Pac-12. They're 15-5 overall. RMAC preseason polls are out for spring sports. Colorado Mesa softball picked third in the RMAC, getting edged out in the polling by one point to Metro State, reigning RMAC regular season. And tournament champion Colorado Christian was picked first. The uh, Mavericks, uh, Mavericks baseball is once again picked to win the RMAC outright. CMU received all eight first-place votes in the conference polling. CMU baseball is also picked number two in the South Central Regional Poll and eighth in the nationwide NCBWA poll. Maverick baseball can be heard beginning next month on the team CMU Sports Network. And other CMU poll news, Maverick men's track and field team received a program record eighth-place national ranking. Initial ranking from U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association is the highest initial ranking for the Mavs. They also rank third in the South Central Regional Index. The NCAA Academic All-America football team was announced in Division II. Cameron Mesa cornerback Cash Bradley was named the Academic All-American second team with a 3.72 GPA majoring in exercise science. His selection makes it three years in a row. A CMU player has made the list. The previous two going to tight end Dagan Rinks in the Division I rankings. Cover Buffalo's two-way star Travis Hunter earned academic All-American honors with a 3.64 GPA while majoring in psychology. Okay, kind of a bizarre story out of the RMAC. Yeah, Shadron, this one I was reading and I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah, Shadron State Women's Basketball head coach Travis Brewster has been suspended three games for forfeiting his team's game against Adams State. The uh, Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference released a statement saying the choice by Shadron State Women's Basketball team to voluntarily forfeit uh, their contest was unacceptable and contrary to RMAC philosophy statement. 
an ethical conduct policy in the spirit of the game. Shadron was playing in Alamosa against the Grizzlies, trailing 63-22 with over three minutes left in the third quarter when Brewster pulled his team off the court, citing player safety. The forfeit goes as a 2-0 loss in the record book with no stats. The program also got fined $5,000. There was, uh, according to Dave Collins, who does uh, the play-by-play for Shadron State, there were some issues with officiating, but also player health was a factor in this as well. Uh, we talked about this uh, before the show this morning. If you have concerns about the health of your players and you don't have enough, you feel like you're, you know, you're... If you you're, feel like you're, you're walking into a buzzsaw beforehand, why, this should be... Why didn't you talk to Adam State and say, hey, here's our... We have players that are sick, players that are hurt. Our bench is pretty thin right now. Uh, we're, we're probably not going to be able to play. Can we, can we do this or can we reschedule or do we have to just outright forfeit? Right. Before, and, before we get to Alamosa. And then... So, okay, so, or they, they obviously felt like they were okay enough to start playing the game. Finish the game up. If you're concerned about player safety, then you well, you're already in the third. You're already in the third. Just tell your players, hey, just go down. Chuck threes. Fire up a three. If you feel like you we're going to get somebody hurt or something like that, or you're sick or, or whatever, and then on the defensive end, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting you to go and, you know, def, you know, play your tail off on the defensive end. Let Adam State finish the game. So their players can, can ha- number one, they can get the win. They're one of the better teams right now in women's basketball in the RMAC. Yeah. Let them get the victory that obviously they deserve in this. Don't punish them for this. I mean, they're still going to get the win because it's a forfeit, but let their players accumulate the numbers that they're, they should be allowed to. And some of it's going to be obviously padded if you're not playing any defense. It just seems to me if you knew going in, you had reservations, why did, why did you go ahead and play the game? If you're Shatter State. Seems unfair to Adam State to me. Yeah. So anyway, it'll go down as a two nothing forfeit uh and a win for the Adam State women. So tomorrow night it's a D two top ten clash in men's basketball. The the latest NABC coaches poll has Colorado Mesa ranked seventh, Fort Lewis eighth. Two teams will collide tomorrow night in the Blizzard and Brownson. And Mavs head coach Mike DeGeorge says it'll be a fast paced game. We scrimmaged down. I just watched the scrimmage last night, and I'm not joking. I went and checked my settings because I felt like it was in, like, fast forward. It was like the first outside scrimmage of the year, and it was just a chaotic deal. So hopefully it's a little cleaner game than that scrimmage was. But, you know, a very talented team, and we're excited to see where we're at. Tomorrow's game will feature the reigning RMAC Players of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week, and Obi Agbum for Fort Lewis, a Defensive Player of the Week uh, for the Mavericks, Mac Rineker. Coverage of the Blizzard and Brownson starts at 5.15 tomorrow night. Women's, women tip it at 5.30 minutes, 7.30. Brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm. Name you just mentioned, Mac Rineker, uh, had a conversation with him yesterday that we will uh, carry on tomorrow's program. Right, very good. Looking forward to hearing from Mac on tomorrow's program. All right, 727, and that's... What's happening? Brought to you by ComWest, your technology service partner. If your business needs IT help today or you need a new business phone system, call ComWest, 970-242-8142. Or go to commoscorp.com. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. The Avalanche with a big win against Washington last night and a huge night for Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. We'll have that next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Some thoughts about uh, Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West, coach of the Chargers. Um, Hit us up on the team line today. Text or phone call 970-242-1340. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The team.
It's Jim and Cake today. Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West. What you feeling today, Broncos country? Are you all of a sudden concerned about Jim Harbaugh being in the AFC West? Are you angry <laughs> that the Broncos didn't hire Jim Harbaugh can as we, the Broncos head coach? Can we take a moment to recognize that the AFC West now has, for now, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and Jim Harbaugh all coaching in the same division? That's pretty amazing. That's that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Antonio Pierce, who is like, players, I'm, 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 I'm the unknown guy here. He, but you know what? Players went to bat for him. Like he, and, and rightfully so. He had earned the, the respect of the, of the organization and of the, of the players specifically. And I think I was reading somewhere that said that Max Crosby was going to like open up his no trade clause if they didn't hire him, which that tells you all you need to know right there. And now Tom Telesco, former Chargers GM, is now going to be the, the GM of the Raiders. And so, yeah, I, that shows the, the connection that Antonio Pierce was able to build with that team that Josh McDaniels could not. And and give Antonio Pierce a, a ton of credit for, for the job that he did. And give give the Raiders credit for not screwing it up and sticking with a guy like when they had Rich Bisacci that did a really good job. He got them to the playoffs. Pierce did not, but the, the finish was good. It was very good. Take, taking over the, the Raiders when they can Josh McDaniels. So... Anyway, got some uh, thoughts on Jim Harbaugh. I I mentioned that um, there's the possibility Harbaugh might bring on Colin Kaepernick, not to play, but to be a coach. Be on the coaching staff. And we'll probably bring this back up and around the NFL later. But um, there's the possibility that that Harbaugh could reach out to Kaepernick. You know, but, but Kaepernick still wants to play. And... Would that opportunity come in in Los Angeles? Well, he's got Justin Herbert. I mean, you've got one of the great young quarterbacks in the league right now. I'm not sure where Colin Kaepernick, from a playing standpoint, would fit in there. Right. Because he wants to play. Being a backup is not playing. But we'll see what happens. But would he be receptive to being a coach? Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. If there's any guy that's willing to to deal with the potential fallout there, and there will be fallout from some. No doubt. If he brings in Kaepernick, that Harbaugh's the kind of guy that's hardwired to deal with that kind of thing because he's been down that road before. Yeah. All right, 734. And um, last night, the Avalanche uh, getting the win uh, on home ice against the Washington Capitals last night. Just um, look for Colorado... You're watching, as you watch Nikola Jokic on the hardwood in that same building, <laughs> you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing greatness from Nathan McKinnon as well. Natural hat trick last night, four goals. Kale McCarr, additional greatness. Scored the game's first goal, and he is now the highest scoring defenseman in Avalanche history. And so, with also with um, McKinnon's last night, his goal, 
for his four-goal night that um, passed Joe Sackick's franchise record for a home point streak to start a season. It's now at 24 games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Topping Sackick's run of 23 games in 2000-2001. Uh, NHL record, by the way, he holds pretty much all of them. Wayne Gretzky. 40 straight home games for the Kings. And when he won the Hart Trophy in 88-89. So that's your NHL record. So Max got work to do, but it's off to a great start with, with now 24 games and surpassing not just some dude, but a Hall of Famer in Joe Sackick uh, for that uh, avalanche record. So after the, the game last night, after the 6-2 victory, here's Jared Bednar talking about his superstar and say, look, he's, he's, he's an elite player, but he just keeps finding ways to become even more elite That's really the word. Here's, <laughs> a, you, here's, here's Jared Bednar on, uh, on his incredible, incredible superstar, Nathan McKinnon. And here's the thing. He's always been the most dedicated guy off the ice since I've been here. Um, but this year he's, yeah, it started last year, I'd say. He's carried it through the summer. Um, but what he's doing this year, he's really consistent with it. Um, and again, I'm talking going from great to elite habits or elite to like super elite habits off the ice. But he's found something with his desire to get better and his... Um, I don't know, just his drive and his education of his off-ice training. He's always looking for the edge, right? And he's found what clearly is working for him. Because, like, you know, like, it's he just doesn't have many nights where he doesn't have his legs or energy. And if it is, it's probably my fault for playing him too much the night before or what have you, right? So he's found a way to, to making sure that his body's recovering and that he's at his best every single night. And that, and that is shown on the ice. So um, McKinnon, who last night, people threw hats, of course, a hat trick. Oh, there wasn't. <laughs> Somebody also chucked out a bra and a pair of thong underwear. I was going to say, wasn't just hats they were throwing on the ice. And I, I saw that from Mark Rycroft on Twitter, like, oh, oh, that's... Uh. Uh, McKinnon just said, inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, McKinnon probably got a little chuckle out of that. I would, I would think he probably did. Oh, man. But um, McCarr... Now the highest-scoring defenseman in Avalanche history, passing Tyson Berry, by the way, for that honor. If you're wondering, well, who was it before? Who was it before, yeah. It was uh, Tyson Berry who held that record. And uh, the aforementioned Nathan McKinnon talking about uh, getting the, the four goals last night, but, but talking about the, the win against the Capitals as the Avs uh, head toward the All-Star break. Yeah, it's always nice to score four, obviously. Uh, you know, the line different. Um, Hockey's a funny sport. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't, and right now uh, they're going in for it. Some of the games where puck movement was really on point tonight, power plays or anything. Any extra jump, just nice having those three days off? Yeah, it was a tough start, honestly. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to have that many days off, to be honest. Uh, the game is so fast out there, and to, to get acclimated um, took us 10 minutes, but then we played well, I thought, the last 15. And, um, but, yeah, power play was good. You and Nico both had five points tonight. Like, that synergy was just... 
pretty outrageous tonight. Do you, do you feel that right as you got on? No, no. Slow start. Uh, you know, we had some looks in the first, but um, took us a bit to, to get into the game. And, uh, you know, he was playmaking so well tonight, looking for me. Uh, you know, on my third, it was a really nice pass on the two-on-one and uh, really selfless hockey from Miko. All right, so um, that's uh, Nathan McKinnon with the four goals last night as the Avalanche are tied with Winnipeg for first place in the Central Division. Uh, they have the LA Kings tomorrow night, the Avalanche do at home, and then we head into the All-Star break where they uh, play again on February 5th. All right, uh, some other news this morning out of the NHL that's kind of interesting in regard to the region, and that's Jazz owner Ryan Smith. He's requested the NHL for an expansion team in Utah that the Smith Entertainment Group has reached out to the National Hockey League to initiate an expansion process. So uh, SEG, they're the parent company of the Delta Center. It's where uh, they're also the MLS's Real Salt Lake, uh, the National Women's Soccer League's Utah Royals, and several other Utah-based sports and entertainment ventures. So um, the expansion team could use the Delta Center as its interim home arena until they get something else built. And so the NHL responded, saying the NHL appreciates the interest expressed by the Smith Entertainment Group to bring NHL hockey to Utah. We've been impressed by Ryan and Ashley Smith's commitment to their community and their passion and vision for Utah, not only as a hockey market, but as a preeminent sports and entertainment destination. Utah is a promising market, and we look forward to continuing our discussions. So the next step will be start the process at the NHL Board of Governors level, which hasn't happened yet. And Ryan Smith telling The Athletic that they're absolutely serious about this. He says, hockey would thrive here the same it has in Seattle and also in Vegas. There's no question in my mind about that. I think Ryan Smith's right. You, you the one time, was it Denver Grizzlies, a minor league team, they ended <clears> up moving to Utah, did well there. It's, you know, and I know there had been things mentioned about uh, possibly, and then now the new United Football League, the XFL, USFL merger, that maybe Salt Lake might had a team previously there and I think it was the Alliance of American Football. It sounds right, yeah. One of the, one of the different uh, spring leagues that uh, that is a possibility. I know that Dick Monfort, kind of a Rockies owner, mm. feels like Utah and Salt Lake City has potential of being a, a destination for a Major League Baseball team at some point. It's a growing city. Utah's a growing state, whether we always like our neighbors to the east or not. <laughs> that That is a growing place and... I, I, the Jazz is—they've obviously been well supported during their their time since they moved from New Orleans, and some some glory years with Stockton Malone and that group. I could see hockey doing well there, and it would be interesting to see the Avalanche get a a regional opponent in a Utah franchise. I want—I wonder if. And I don't know what the whole situation is like now because I don't know if they're going to build a new stadium for the Arizona Coyotes or not. I don't know what the deal is there. Why not just take the Arizona Coyotes and move them up to Salt Lake? That's going to require, and I'm thinking who the Coyotes' ownership is right now because I don't believe they're, uh, I don't believe they're still a ward of the state. I don't think they, I don't think, I don't know if the league still owns them or not. 
I think they do. They did get bought by some because for a while they, I think the NHL did operate them. Alex uh, Marullo is the owner of the Arizona Coyotes. Became their owner in 2019. Would he be willing to sell them to the Smiths? Because the Smiths want the team. I mean, the they, price they, is they, right. They want to be the owners. I mean, they don't. They don't want. They don't want him just to move them. Move there and and look at right now the Smiths. The way they control the the Delta Center and everything. Kind of pro sports wise in the Salt Lake City area, right? What I mean, they're going to have to play at the Delta Center. Brian Smith, they own that building. I don't think they're going to say, "Yeah, come on in," and we'll 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 rent you the building. Would Marulo sell them, and would they become the Utah Coyotes or whatever? I don't know, but that's certainly it's um, interesting that that the you know, Ryan Smith. And that's that group have expressed a very strong interest in getting an NHL team. Houston, the same thing. We've talked about the possibility of Arizona maybe goes to Houston. But uh, I think it'd be pretty cool to see a, a team over in Utah. Nice little regional opponent for the Avalanche. Also, uh, tonight, uh, yeah, we'll have Nuggets basketball. Nuggets uh, on their road trip out in New York. Uh, they wrap up the five-game road trip tonight against the New York Knicks. And we'll have it, Jason Kosminski with the call pregame at 5 o'clock tonight. So you have the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, Joker, Nikola Jokic, scoring off against Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And um, they've combined for almost 57 combined points per game over their last five, by the way, in Murray and Jokic. And so in New York, um, a little bit like Denver, that the those two, Brunson and Randle, Kind of, you know, they they're the ones that lead the way, like uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic does for the Nuggets. And so, um, matchup of two dynamic duos tonight in New York: the Nuggets and the Knicks. Once again, coverage starts at five o'clock tonight on the Team Sports Network. All right, seven forty-five, and it is time this morning for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Former Major League Baseball third baseman Trevor Plouffe is a co-host of the Talkin' Baseball podcast from the John Boy Media Group. And he told a story about how he was on vacation, caught up with another Major League Baseball player, soon to be Hall of Famer, and how the conversation didn't really go well. I do have a quick story. I'm on vacation somewhere. I don't want to give away the location because another future Hall of Famer is here. Zach mm-hmm. Greinke is here. Someone pointed out to me, and I said, uh, "I'm gonna go say what's up." That's Be- such a recipe to get insulted. It's yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. You know, I knew I had to, so I said, "Hey, Zach, what's up, man? Trevor Plouffe, good to see you. Like, how's everything going?" He said, "Oh, hey, Trevor, you uh, you had a homer off you once, didn't you?" It's the first thing he said to me, and I was like, "I don't think so, Zach. If I don't, I don't really recall hitting one off you." He said, "No, no, you did. You were in Milwaukee. We didn't really didn't get off of that." Like, he was kind of fixated on, like, I hit a homer off him. I was like, I didn't really hit a homer off you. Come back later, I see him again, and by that time, I looked my stats up against him. One for nine, four Ks, no homers. So I go, hey, Zach, just so you know, one for nine, four Ks, no homers. He goes, oh, that's right. You're easy. (laughs) And then he turns and goes back to dinner with his family, and I say, all right, that's it. That's my interaction with you for the weekend. See you later. If I had to go back in time and say, how's this conversation going to go? It went exactly how I probably should have thought. Oh, I remember you. You were easy. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, oof. yeah. 
And uh, Paul, yes, Paul, Utah's not moved. Slip of the tongue on my part, yes. Our neighbors to the west, not to the east. I don't know why I was... I think I was still hung up on talking about Belichick in the east and somehow, yes. Our neighbors to the west. I wasn't going to say anything because... you should have. Well, but coming from... I'm sorry. I was wrong. He said the east. Do we know... Do we not know the history of Tyler Franson and directions? <laughs> oh, that's true. You're the last guy that should be talking about it's that. It's rich yes, coming from thank me. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Our neighbors to the west, not to the east. All right. 747. Uh, tomorrow night over on uh, The Monkey. It's our uh, Highway 50 game of the week as the Delta boys and girls go to uh, Basalt to take on the Longhorns. Uh, Mark Cantor had the chance to talk with uh, Delta girls coach Kyle Crowder. We'll have that coming up next on The Jim Davis Show. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Get in the huddle with Delta Girls basketball coach Kyle Crowder on the team. Kyle is, although it was a solid victory at Moffat County last Saturday, I kind of feel like the girls struggled a little bit from the floor. Yeah, we played really well. I mean, it, it was a good game statistically. Looking back, I mean, we did a lot of really good things. We just shot 22% from the floor, and, I mean, we put up 75 shots in a game. I mean, that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. to do that. Um, you know, we had 30-some steals. I mean, that that's a pretty impressive uh, stat itself. You know, and, and they, I mean, they're they're a good program, and, and they played hard, and they did some good things, but uh, we outplayed them all over the place. We just didn't convert offensively, and, and I mean, there's going to be nights like that. But our defense carried us through that, and I, I think that we can kind of expect the same thing down the stretch if we get in that same situation, that defensively we can we can still win games even if we're struggling offensively. You know, and all that being said, I thought Taylor Summers had another nice performance both offensively and defensively. She did. You know, she she racked up eight or nine steals, and, uh, you know, she's pretty good getting to the basket and, and getting those opportunities. She shot well from the free throw line. I think she was six of seven. I mean, as a team, we were really good from the free throw line. So, um, you know, a lot of really good things came from that. And and I don't know that it's I, – I mean, I don't want that to happen again, but I know that we can get through those situations because of the other things that we're doing on the floor. So next up, it's you're at Basalt. Um, they're 1-14 and and lose by an average of about 25 points a game, obviously. Not a, not a very good team, so it kind of sounds like another one of those games where – you're going to have the opportunity to work on stuff that you wouldn't necessarily get to work on in practice. Yeah, we and, and we're kind of taking that approach this week. We're, we're definitely trying to implement some new things, um, putting in a couple different sets offensively and then trying to do some things on the defensive end. So, um, you know, like you said, it, we, we just got to get better in, in every situation so we can't just go in there and just expect, you know, just to make a few baskets and be over. We, we want to get something out of that time, um, and we're going to really try to work on some of those things that we didn't do well. You know, we're still going to work on outside shooting. That's always going to be a focus for us. Um, I think that's going to be kind of a difference maker when we get down the stretch. Um, but, you know, we're playing great defense, and, and we're going to try to change some things up because, I mean, we we can be a little predictable. I mean, people kind of know, and and even if they prepare a lot of times, it doesn't matter what they do. We can, we can still be better defensively than they can prepare for. Um, but we're going to try to throw a couple of different wrinkles in there and kind of see what we can do with that. It's also a good opportunity to get, you know, your four bench players a little more playing time, not that they haven't had a considerable amount, but, you know, get them into situations where, where you know, if they have to step into that starting role, they're they're pretty well prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're, we're always looking down the stretch and, and we're visiting with those uh, JV girls to say, you know, 
this is an opportunity that you guys could earn a jersey for the night and, and maybe get a little bit of varsity time. So, I mean, it, it works in a lot of ways. That There's a lot of benefits that can come out of this kind of game. So um, we're just, you know, we're trying to get anything done this week that we can get done and, and be ready for the weekend. Now you're right around 10 in the seating index. Um, and, I, and I think that's, given how the season's gone so far, a pretty good place to be. Yeah, I, th- I don't think we're in a bad place. And, you know, there's only so much that we can control. And I tell the girls that all the time. Like, don't look at the rankings. We know what kind of team we are. And, um, you know, whatever comes our way, we're just going to deal with it, you know. And, and if we got to get on the road um, before the, the final eight, we're, we're going to plan on going someplace and trying to win. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we do. So just, I mean, just kind of taking that with a grain of salt and knowing that there's probably some teams that are above us that aren't as good as us. Um, I mean, I think that gives the kids some motivation to to make sure they're handling their business every single game when we step out there. And, um, you know, the the rest is all going to shake out in the end. All right, that's all right. Mark Cantor. Sounds good. good luck, huh? All right, thank you, Mark. Sorry, Mark, didn't mean to step on you there. Mark Cantor talking with Delta girls coach Kyle Crowder. We'll have, uh, we'll have his conversation with Rob Ames on tomorrow's program, the boys coach at Delta. So uh, that's coming up tomorrow night, our Highway 50 game of the week. Mark Cantor will have all the action from Basalt High School. Girls pregame at 5.15, and then the boys will will tip it off uh, probably around uh, 7 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. Over on the Monkey, if you're in Delta, you can hear uh, the action on the Highway 50 game of the week at 97.1 FM. Uh, that is the Monkey p- tomorrow night for Delta at Basalt in uh, Western Slope League basketball action. All right, and that's brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Coming up next hour, uh, we'll talk with Bruce Shepard about the induction of Bob Cates into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. That's coming up.